0: Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to pull up my notes here real quick while you're all doing that. And uh, while you're all turning to Ephesians chapter 3, I just want to kind of give a, I guess, a prelude to what we're going to be touching on a little bit today. And, and hopefully uh, when Brother Paul comes back, we'll finish it off, depending on how far we get. Um <clears throat> But Ephesians, just out of curiosity, who's read Ephesians chapter 3 for today? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, So Ephesians 3 is really about the mystery of the union that we have in Christ. Uh, But it really also focuses really the mystery of the church because uh, we know that from the Old Testament there's nowhere in the Old Testament where you would find the church so in the Old Testament the church was a mystery uh, but we don't see that till the to the New Testament which um, I've heard it said that the Old Testament the things of the Old testament that are are, are that are are um, are um, how 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 did it go again it was those, the things of the Old Testament that are sealed are then revealed in the New Testament. <clears throat> and, I, and there's some things in the Old Testament that we don't fully understand, but I think as times roll out, we will begin to understand those things. Um, but we see that the Apostle Paul is uh, in, in Ephesians 3, we see that he's talking about uh, that mystery of the union that we have in Christ, but also the mystery of the church. And um, <clears throat> before we get into that, in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 7, it says, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And so we see that God had given Paul, in a numerous amount of revelations and visions, and to kind of prevent him from getting puffed up, he was giving a thorn in the flesh. And I really do think that Ephesians 3 is one of many things that God has shown Paul. And, you know, Paul, you know, we know that from that verse, he had a lot of issues with pride. Wouldn't we agree? He had a lot of, I mean, he was a Pharisee, so he had troubles with pride. And so God had to. Remedy that by keeping him humble, right? Um, So with that said, I guess we'll go ahead and dive into – we will dive into uh, Ephesians 3. So Ephesians chapter uh, 3 starting in verse 1, it says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ – for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is giving me toward you, Lord. Um, So you see in this here, the dispensation of grace that was given to me as Paul was given to Paul to us usward. Um, I could be wrong, but that would I think that would apply To usward, I think he's talking about the Gentiles. Um, You know, because Paul, he first preached to the Jews, but it got to a point where they refused to listen to him. And he said, "Okay, well, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And so we see that the church of Ephesus, the the church of Ephesus was primarily a Gentile church. So we see that Paul is writing to Gentiles. So, you know, the dispensation of grace that he was given of God, he's given to the Gentiles, <clears throat> right? So, uh, does anybody have any uh, thing they'd like to maybe add or comment on that?
1: Brother Brandon, uh, you talking about Paul had a he wasn't a tough step, but you know when Paul was Saul, mm-hmm. he was pretty he was pretty better well, after. He was there after them Christians. He won't try to kill all of them, put them in jail, or do something with them. Mm-hmm. So you wonder maybe if God says, Okay, Paul, Saul, you what Saul, I'm saying you to Paul. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep you in remembrance of what she's doing. So I don't want you to get too puffed up, but I want you to go treat some of my people, the Gentiles.
0: Yeah, I think that I think there is some truth in I, I think there is uh, truth in that, um, because <clears throat> I think there's things in his past that he regrets. Yeah. And I and I think that we see that in his epistles that he does have regrets of his past and I think that could be uh as to what, one of the things that God used him to keep him humble. Um now we don't know what the, the thorn in his flesh was. We just know that God had to keep him humble because you know um it's just he had a pride issue. And God knew he had a pride issue. Um, so that's very good. That's a good point. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that's that's very good. Um, now, um, I honestly didn't know what the word dispensation meant, so I had to look it up. <laughs> and uh, I had uh, a couple – there's a couple definitions I came across, which all of them are good definitions. But I think primarily – I think the second and third I would say the second and third definition of dispensation would best fit this context. Um, because the first one is the first definition I came across was a divinely ordained order prevailing at a particular period of history. And I think, too, with that said, you know, we are in, as what a lot of people would say, is in the age of grace. We are in the church age, we have grace. But eventually that's going to run out. Uh, grace is going to eventually end, and God's going to say enough's enough, and He's going to He's going to eventually judge this world. Um, we know that there's there's no ifs ands or buts about that. Um, now, when I say that His grace will eventually you know be done with, meaning that there's going to come to a point where um, that's it. There is no more saving grace. You had your chance, you didn't take it. <laughs> now there's going to be a consequence for that.
1: you're
0: <clears throat> exactly and, and 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 what i'm trying to aim at is think of it, think of the mark of the beast okay we see from the scriptures that those who take it are not going to heaven they're just not they take that thing they're going to they're they're going to they're going to end up end up in hell and with that with that there is no more saving grace at that point once a person takes that mark there is no more saving grace they're going to be under the wrath of god because they made that choice to take it does that make sense i hope i'm not being too confusing but that's but that's i really do think that there is going to be a, a time where there will be no more saving grace it's judgment's going to come and when that happens it's, it happens and that's it and for this but this is why we need to win souls now because we need to offer that choice to people to be saved, right um cuz if we don't then we're doing a disservice. Yeah. And we we are called to be lights. We're called to be uh you know salt. We're supposed to preserve and shine. Um <clears throat> the second one, the second definition of 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 dispensation that I that I saw was an act of divine providence, providence or God's intervention. And I do believe God does intervene. Um, the most big example is that we couldn't save ourselves, so God had to send His Son to die in our place. Now, if that's not intervention, I don't know what is. Now, I don't know what your what your all thoughts are on that. Not, you know, if anyone would like would like to share, um, by all means. Uh, but I do think that is a classic example of God intervening and interceding for us, because we ourselves we are, we are we have a sin nature. And because of that sin nature, we, we know that we, we need we are in need of Christ. Um, you know, Romans 323 through 24, for all have sinned come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Um all have sinned, all have come, all have fallen short. Uh, Romans five fifteen, but now but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if though the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace by by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So it's because of Christ that we can be made righteous, but it's not our own righteousness. It's his righteousness imputed on us. And it's not anything that like you and I deserve that. That righteousness is completely by grace. And grace is something that we don't deserve. Um, You know, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made what? The righteousness of God in him. And really quickly, the third one is uh, the action of uh, distributing or supplying something, and so God's intervention, God's providence, God's distributing or supplying something, I think would best fit this context. Because if you read here in in in, in second verse, it says, uh, "The grace of God which is given me to you word." So there's a given. There's something being given. From who? From from God to Paul to the Gentiles, and so we can't we we don't just automatically create grace for ourselves. That's something that God gives. So that's some, so I I really do feel that that both of these um, both of these definitions of dispensation would better fit this context. Now, obviously, there are other places in the Word of God where you know you've got a divine ordained order. There are other contexts in the Word of God where that can be applied to, but specifically in this context, it's the second and third definitions that would best fit for that, you know, thing. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. Uh, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Um, Philippians four nineteen. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches, riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we see that he shall, that God will supply all your need, and that's by grace. It's nothing you deserve. It's by grace, and it's him providing for you. So we see a provision there. Um, and then Philippians one nineteen says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And then we'll – I don't know if we'll get to this verse or not, but – Ephesians 3.7, it says, wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Now, <clears throat> with that said, we see that Ephesians is, um, as I had said at the beginning, is that Ephesians does talk about the union. Um, it shows the mystery of the union that we have in Christ. It shows the mystery of the church. Um, but also, if you actually continue reading on, it doesn't just stop at this chapter. If you look in uh, Ephesians 5, um, it Paul is talking about marriage. He's talking about a husband and a wife and how that works. And he correlates it to Christ and the church. But you realize at the end of, of that, he says, um, and actually I'm going to, I'm going to uh, look look here because I don't want to mess it up um, it says let's see here I got to find it here um, actually I had it written down somewhere so let me quickly find it uh, but he talks about at the very end it says and. <clears throat> In uh, in chapter 5 of Ephesians, in verse 32, Paul says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So you see that the mystery of the church and the union we have in Christ isn't just limited to this particular chapter, but he also emphasizes it in chapter 5 when he explains the relationship between a husband and wife. And, and you see that he correlates it to th- that this being a mystery, he reveals it as as he shows us that it is speaking concerning, uh, you know, Christ and His Church, Christ being the the head and the Church being the bride, right? So, um, does anybody have anything they'd like to share with that? Anything to add or share or? You don't want to talk I guess so. I, I guess if I, that, that, that's that's okay, um, you know, that's all right.
1: You know, you know, in, in John three sixteen, Brandon, he said, "For God so loves the world." Mm-hmm. There ain't no way that, that me or you could have enough bullocks and, and and lambs to cover our sins. Because mm-hmm. you know, it just ain't, we're, we're just. Filthy rag, right? Mm-hmm. But here comes Christ that had no sin and covered every bit of
0: it. But He lived us so. Exactly, and actually, I'm glad you brought that up because let me let me add to what you just said. Um, so, with the church being a mystery in the Old Testament, you did have types and shadows. Which one of them was the animal sacrifices, the Levitical? sacrifices that was instituted, I believe it's actually in the book of Leviticus. Those were all types and shadows pointing them to Christ. Yeah. And the thing is the Jews, a lot of the Jews, most of the Jews didn't see it. Because if they did, they uh, would have accepted Christ. But you see a lot of them rejected. So it was such a mystery. You know, the Jews, you know, because in the Old Testament, the Jews thought that in order for Gentiles to be saved, the Gentiles had to be converted. But as a matter of fact, we see that we actually see the opposite, what is written here in Ephesians, that, that that's why Christ came, is to break down that, that wall of a partition. So it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. We are if if you accept Christ, you are one in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the ground at the cross is level. Anybody can come to it, whether it's Jew or Gentile. Sure and so, anyone and anyone and everyone is invited to come. Now, unfortunately, a lot this world hate Christ, so they're going to reject that. And it's 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 heartbreaking and sad to see that because, you know, it's not God's will for any to perish, but what for all to come to repentance. But if you look,
1: you can,
0: they've had all these years, the Jews have this put into their minds since they were children. Mm-hmm. So you can see how it would be hard for them to change what they've been, you know, taught Absolutely. years and years and years and, years and years. Yeah. yeah. That's the reason they fought so hard against, you know, that's the reason Paul, when he was taught, fought so hard against the Christians, because he had, had this in his,
1: installed in his brains from the child. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And and actually, if you look in, in, in Paul's writings... He, uh, he he even says he prays for his people. He desires for his people to be saved. Now his prayer wasn't answered in his lifetime, but that's gonna that's gonna eventually soon come to pass because we see that in the latter days that there will be 144,000 sealed, 144,000 Jews sealed. So his prayer will eventually be answered, but you know it wasn't answered in his lifetime. So eventually the Jews will a lot of them, their eyes will be open to who Christ is and they will accept him.
1: But you know, Brandon, when he led them mm-hmm. out of
0: Egypt,
1: and and they got out there and the first thing he gave them, he gave them manna, he gave them quail, and they didn't even have it in their teeth until they went to
0: drive
1: it. But ain't we the same way?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I, and and it's, 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 it's interesting because the Is, Israel complained and murmured against God, saying, we, we we don't want this, we want meat. And you know what? God was still gracious to them. Yeah. Gave them what they want. Yeah. But now, yeah. go yeah. ahead.
1: But then, you know, later on he says, well, now let's go take this
0: land.
1: Mm-hmm. And he sent them 12 over there. To check it out right mm-hmm. and there's two of them come back and want to do it and the others was, was too scared didn't have enough faith didn't know who they're messing with yep caleb and joshua know the god that they served mm-hmm. and they know that he could do anything whatever he told them he could do it yeah and, but the rest of them all of them died what under over under 12 or 20 they they died
0: in the river. yeah and and uh, two of them said yeah God said we can take this land yeah. ten of them said no we can't take this land let's go back to Egypt yeah. see and, and see that's the thing that's the key thing the ten they wanted to go back to Egypt yeah. to Egypt which is a representation of the world they wanted to go back to the world and, but God's but God specifically says that he is calling us out of the world and yeah. are to be a peculiar people. And that's what the Jews were. They weren't like small number, but he chose them because they, they, you know, for them to be a peculiar people. If that makes sense, <clears throat> absolutely, I I agree. Um. All right. So that's gonna be uh for one and two. So let's go. Let's continue on here in Ephesians uh verse three here, uh, Ephesians three three. Um. It says how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. of, as I wrote in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So Paul is saying that he, um, God had given them this revelation and he had given them the mystery and he also wrote a four in a few words. But we also see that um, He's also saying that when you read it, that you may understand his knowledge in that mystery. So he wrote these things not just for our own health, but he wrote it so that we may understand what he received from God. I don't – that probably sounded confusing, but I'm trying to not be too terribly confusing. Um because remember, this is this is about the, the 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 church, the union that we have in Christ. It's a mystery that 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 Paul is revealing for our own edification by what he wrote in, in chapter three, um, and First uh, Corinthians chapter two, verse seven through ten. It says, "But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God had ordained before the world unto our glory." which none of the princes of this world knew. This is a key thing. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So the mysteries that we see that we don't see in the Old Testament that we see in the New Testament is because God has revealed it by his spirit. This is why Paul was able to this is why Paul this is where Paul has received all that revelation and mystery is from the from the Holy Ghost. And we see that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost happened on the day of Pentecost. So what was then a mystery in the old is now then revealed in the new, and um, we see that in Christ <clears throat> we we're not just the bride of Christ, but we have like we have grace, we have mercy in Christ, and that was something that wasn't heard of. I mean, yes. People in the Old Testament were saved by grace, but it wasn't fully under – I don't think it was fully understood till we got into the New Testament until the Spirit was poured out. Well, I mean even before that when Christ was here on earth, but there's still a lot of Jews that were very um, confused and didn't know uh, because they um, they just didn't understand. What was in the Old Testament and still today, there's still that they don't fully understand, um, even of the church. Um, but one of these days that that will change, I believe. Um, we just don't know when um, now I got some actually extra notes here. I want to read here from um, I turn on my page. So. The mystery of our union in Christ um, really, the the biblical mystery is a truth which was previously unrevealed and the un, and unknown in the Old Testament. The rapture is an example of a mystery that was unrevealed in the Old Testament, but we see that revealed in the New Testament. We clearly see that revealed. There's no, I mean, we see that in uh, First and Second Thessalonians. We see we actually see us being caught up together. Uh, we see. We see pictures of it in the old, but it wasn't revealed in the old. It's revealed in the new, and I think that's pretty cool. Because if you want to understand like the full picture, you go to the Old Testament and the New Testament because they both complement each other. Um, you see a, a beautiful picture there. Um. <coughs> Does anybody have anything they'd like to add? Oh, okay. we'll we'll keep on trucking. (laughs) Um, In Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 to 27, it says, For for I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So again, we see that the mystery that he's, re- he's, tr- he's going to start revealing here was hid from in the Old Testament. It wasn't revealed. But it's now when you have the saints of God, this, the, the born-again, spirit-filled saints of God, it's now being revealed what was hid in the Old And so I, and whatever God, whatever, whatever there, and the thing, there's a difference between what God, how God does things and how the enemy does things. When the enemy has a mystery, he won't reveal it. But when God has a mystery, he might reveal, he'll keep it hidden for a short time, but he'll eventually reveal what that mystery is. And so we see that what we couldn't see in the Old Testament about the church and about the saints in Christ, Paul is going to reveal to us in this chapter, as well as in, you know, chapter five, and and even in other areas of what Paul writes. Does it make sense? Um, and God's good, you know, He always will reveal. God, it, it says in His Word that He always that He reveals the secret things. So the, the things that are a secret or a mystery, He always reveals. At his time. Yeah. Not ours. Exactly. And it's it's by God's time that he reveals it. Um, you know, like for an example, I mean, when this st- all the stuff that you see in the Old Testament, that stuff wasn't ready to be revealed yet. But st- but it, it's that started to get revealed even through when Christ came on the earth and even when Jesus He spake in parables. And even that Kind of helped with some of 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 the mystery that was even of the Old Testament, but even a lot of the Jews around him that heard him speaking parables, they didn't know what he was talking about. Pharisees hated him. Ooh, Pharisees and Saddu- Sadducees, they hated him. They wanted him dead. Because even even to a certain extent, they kind of knew there was one particular parable that he spake, and the Pharisees knew the Pharisees knew it was about them, and they didn't like it. And so that's a good point. God will – God has a specific time on his timing that he chooses to reveal things. Um, You know, even in the Old Testament, there are things that are not yet revealed that we kind of wonder how things are going to happen. But now as we continue to see in the last days, we start to see that the Bible is coming alive. I mean this Bible. You're, we start to find out that our Bible right, and we start to see that the Bible is alive more than we know. And there's things and prophecies that are coming to pass um, that we never really – we it was just a complete mystery to us either because it was you know hard for us to understand or we just didn't understand it. But now we do because things are starting to unfold. Does that make sense? So, yeah, there's always a time for things, and God always has a time, but his timing is always perfect. He's not late. He's not early. He's always right on time. That's good. Um, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is Christ within you. So Christ, you know, we all know that Christ lives within us. Um, and we know that we are sealed. Uh, Bob talks about that we are sealed by his spirit. Um, Alright, let's, uh, we'll go back here to verse number... Five of Ephesians 3 um, it says which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was a, wherefore, or whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power, unto me whom, am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles, in the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, I want to go up to to a very peculiar statement that Paul writes in verse 8 where it says, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints. I think the reason – now, this is just my opinion. I can be wrong. But I think the reason why Paul said that is because, because of his past. Because he knew that he persecuted the church. He consented on to the death of Stephen. He was literally going on the road to Damascus to sin more, to have the, the, the church persecuted, as where Christ stopped him and he got converted. And so because he, because he knows and probably deeply regrets what he did in the past, he sees himself as being um, lesser than all the saints. And it's not to say that he wasn't ta- – I'm not saying that he was taking pride in what he did, but it was a way of himself being humble that what he did in the past, he didn't deserve – to be an apostle, he didn't deserve to receive all that revelation. He didn't deserve any of that. It was because it was the grace of God.
1: It kept him humble,
0: it kept him humble. and I think it goes back to Second uh, Corinthians 12 7. where you know God hum- he made sure that they you know God humbled him, and anytime that he you know and he he kept him humble. When given through all these revelations, because if he wasn't humble, I mean, you can imagine an ex pharisee you know, he might have kind of like that pious, you know, holier-than-now attitude. Like, look at me, look all the revelations that I have. He was a smart man. Oh yeah, he was. He was. He was no dummy. He was smart. I think, believe it or not, I, I, I well, I, I tend to think he was very intelligent when it came to the law. Like he knew the law, and because you talk, you you look in his writings, you could you can you can see he you can see him compare the law versus grace. He had a very strong knowledge in the law, but after he got saved, I also believe he had got a a stronger uh, knowledge of grace because of who he was. And um, you know that's something that I think you know we ought to be careful. To not be puffed up when God see, shows us something in His Word. And I'm not talking about extra biblical revelation or any of that. What I'm talking about is when you read the Word of God, um, when God shows you something you never thought of before, we've got to be careful to not be taken in pride. Um, you know, because God was good enough to show you that, but it shouldn't be. To a point where you puff yourself up and take all the credit. As a matter of fact, we don't deserve any of the credit. We, you know, God gets all the glory and credit. And so, Paul, he, uh, he, 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 he sees himself and recognizes that he, um, he wasn't. I mean, he didn't deserve any of what he got. But he says, "I am who I am by the grace of God." You know, that's something that we all can take away from what we do and say. You know, even though that we're born again does not it does not make us better than the lost. Because we gotta remember, before we got born again, who were who were we? We were we were just like them. And he's a good example of forgiveness. Yep. Of everything he did, and yet he was forgiven and allowed to preach the gospel. Yep, exactly. And, you know, Paul, he, Christ forgave him. Christ loved him.
1: Brandon I think when Paul was a young holes to get rid of these Christians, mm-hmm. that he was one of them Jews that thought, this fellow here come to us and we got to do away with him. Because mm-hmm. well, this is all false. Because mm-hmm. we believe in a perfect kingdom. Mm-hmm. And here Christ came on that road of the yep. And it didn't take him very long to go talking
0: to No, nope, it didn't take very long at oh, all. No,
1: Lord, Lord, you know. And he said, Why does that pick us up just free? Mm-hmm. He knows who's supposed to be. Oh yeah. And it didn't take him that long, and it don't take us that long to be saved.
0: Exactly. And it's it, Paul and and he even called him Lord. Yeah. So he knew who it was. And, you know, really quickly, and we'll 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 close on this note, and then uh, the bell will ring here shortly. Uh, but when you take a look at when Paul was in when – he, when he was in a house on Straight Street in Damascus, Jesus appeared to a man named Ananias. He said, I want you to go pray and, and find a man named Saul – of Tarsus. He, for he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias come to pray for him. And it's really funny, too. He was blind. And yet, it says that he saw in a vision. So is it possible that the blind can see a vision? Yes, I believe it is. Because it happened to Saul. And but the point I want to get at to this is Jesus, because Ananias was very skeptical of it. He didn't want to go and do that. But Jesus said. He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name amongst the Gentiles. And you want to know something? I think that is a very big part of what he writes in chapter 3. Because, you know, he, Paul, I mean, Saul who then became Paul, he he really was a chosen vessel to bear his name. And, And I'll tell you what, there are many Gentiles that he saved, but he also... He took under under his wing Timothy, a young pastor, and Titus, and all these other Gentiles. He he discipled and trained them. And so, you know, Paul was a chosen vessel that God chose to reach the Gentiles. And some would say that he would he was the apostle to the Gentiles, but I would Somewhat disagree because Peter, if you remember, Peter also witnessed to Cornelius. He was a centurion. He was a Gentile. So I'd say for the most part, yes, he was a uh, an apostle to the Gentiles, but he also – but he wasn't the only one that preached to the Gentiles because there are other apostles that preached to the Gentiles probably as well. And we see that from Peter. Does that make sense? Uh, does, does anybody have anything they like to add or anything like that? Anything? Any questions, comments, concerns?
1: I just think that Paul, if he was, God said, I can use this fellow hmm Because he was going on to do away with me. Mm-hmm.